Good morning. Man, I like that. They're all awake this morning. That's good. How about that worship? Huh? Man, I love it that, uh, that Kristen shared her heart because it, so many times I think we look at the people on the stage and we think they're perfect. And uh, it's just awesome when they share their heart of how God's been stirring in their heart and what God's been doing makes us realize that they fight against the same things we fight against. Amen? Amen. So uh, those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeremy Lindsay. I'm the campus pastor here. And um, uh, it's just awesome to be able to, to be here today. Um, Dallas is in our Dublin campus. We're going to pray for them in just a second. And uh, the whole, uh, this whole series, The End of Me, is kind of a, a new way of thinking that all of us as Christians should have. It should be the way we think. But we grew up, we, we're all in a culture where it's about you, right? Make you happy. Do what you think's right, right? It's serve yourself. Do whatever it takes to make you happy. But that's so contrary to God's word. Because God's word says if you trust in me, if you put your, your life in my hands, then that's where you will have true joy and true peace. So many of us are chasing things that we think are going to make us happy, but it's like a dog chasing its tail. It's like, it's sometimes madness. When we think we're right there, the next thing you know, we find hopelessness again. And so God's wanting us to realize the only way to be, real, to be happy, to be prosperous, is to rid yourself of you and fill it up with him. We have to come to the end of ourselves. That's why we call it the end of me. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. Amen? So, I'm going to pray. One thing God prompted me while we were praying is, uh, you know, we're doing this community for Christ. And from the moment we've planted a church, like this church has not ever been about us. It's never been about thinking that we've got something better than anybody else has. It's been about really we want to unify our community. And it's awesome that a group of ladies from different churches decided to do this as community for Christ because it's unifying us. And so this, I'm going to pray. If y'all will, we're going to pray for the other churches in our community that's having church right now. And let's pray for our community. Father God, we come to you right now. We lift up Dallas to you as he's preaching in Dublin. We pray, Father, for your hand to be upon him and uh, that campus. And, God, that your anointing would be there in a powerful way, God. We lift up to you um, Billy and Vidalia and Brandon and Statesboro. God, we pray, Father, your hand will be upon them as they preach your word. And, God, we pray that it falls on fertile ground. Lord, we also, we also lift up to you the churches in this community, God. Lord, I love my community. I love where you've, where you've uh, placed me, where, you've born, where I was born, where I was raised. God, I love the people in our community, God, and I pray that you would use the pastors and the churches in this community to reach our community for you, Lord. I pray, God, that all of us would get to the end of us and realize that this is not about me or my ministry. It's about you and what you called us to do as a community and as believers, God. So help us be unified as a community. Father, help us drop our preferences and help us reach to you together. God, I pray, Father, for salvations in every church in our community right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, for the pastors to throw off discouragement this morning, and God, they look to you for encouragement. And I pray, God, that they would see light that they've been praying for for months and months ago. So, God, we love you. We thank you. And, Lord, we pray that you would just speak to us today and help us rid us of ourselves so we may see you more clearly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If y'all will turn to Luke chapter 14. 
And uh, I, I love this, this, uh, this text. And I think you have to love Jesus to love this text. Because if you read this text and, and, uh, and you read it for face value, you're like, the audacity of Jesus to say that I have to do these things. It's not fair. And I can tell who reads their Bible and who don't. Because y'all look at me like, what you talking about? We're fixing to read it. Y'all hang on. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 is where we're going to start. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to him. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. We're going to pause there for just a second. You know, I love how God's word is, is, is just is together. And I love how God makes things um, just so cohesive. Because you know the cool thing about this? Is those of you that are reading along in the reading plan, the full 12, you read this story in Matthew 10 this week. We didn't plan that. That just happened. That's God. Amen. I read that this week, and I was like, Lord, this is going to be good because you line this stuff up. So it's just crazy how things line up. But in the beginning of this, it said large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And I think we live in a culture where we think big crowds are great, right? Big churches are great. Big followings are great. But see, Jesus seen all these people that were following after him, and he realized that there was a lot of people that were in his presence that were after what he could give them, and they would not because they loved him. And we're full of, our churches are full of people that are seeking what we can get out of God instead of loving God. And he didn't say, come follow me for what I can give you. He says, Come follow me because you love me, right? It should be out of love in which we follow Jesus. It should be out of love in which that's the only way we're going to change and be transformed if we love Jesus. You know, it's a, it's a huge hiccup we have in the church today because it's about us most of the time. What I can get, what, what, what I can receive from the sermon, what I can do this, what I can do that. Instead of a passionate relationship with Christ, we're after what we can get. And Jesus knew that. And the church is full of that today. And I found myself a couple months ago, well, probably about a year ago, praying, God, I want more. God, I want more. See, we as Christians are still guilty of this. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. And I found myself seeking after the things of God, the gifts of God, and I forgot all about God. God, I want more. I want more of you. I want you to, I want to do this. I want you to do that. I want, I want to see this happen. I want to see that happen. And then I was getting frustrated because God wasn't answering my prayers. And finally, God spoke to me. He said, you're more concerned about the things I can give you than loving me. I was like, ouch, God. But how many of us are guilty of that? We come to church, and it's about us. That's why we complain so much when the music is too loud or the music ain't loud enough or it's, we ain't singing hymns or we singing this. Or, you know what I'm saying? Because we've made it about us. It, it's consumerism. I, I'm going to go to church because this appeases what I like. Instead of coming to church saying, I love God and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise him. How many of you would come back next week if we didn't have a worship band up here? 
if we just came in and just started singing, just started preaching. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a lot of people, they, they, they just show up because it's about what, what, what appeases them. And see, what Jesus is trying to say is, y'all ready for this? If he was from South Georgia, this was exactly what he would have said. This ain't about you. You with me? Some of y'all need to write that down and put it on your refrigerator. This ain't about you. This is about him. It's always been about him. It will always be about him. And so we got to drop our preferences, and we got to say, God, what you want in this? I mean, there's a lot of times I've got to drop what I think I want and say, God, what do you want? Because if we're worried about our preferences, we'll never do what God's called us to do. We'll never be obedient to what God's called us to be obedient to. And he's not looking for a bunch of people that show up to church and is and making a checklist. We talk about that a lot here. He wants genuine, true worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth, right? He wants people that are truly loving him and caring for him. And so all these crowds are there, and Jesus turns around, and he drops a truth bomb on them. He turns around and he says, look, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother and his wife and his children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And I'm like, when I'm reading that, I'm like, all right, mama and daddy, that's going to be hard. Wife, real hard. But see, I just got this little boy. And I'm like, whew, I don't know about that guy. I don't know about that. See, when you read that, he's not talking about hate like, in, like you hate them, like despise them. Because that would be contrary, right? That would be contrary to God's word. So God doesn't contradict itself, right? Jesus says that to, to fulfill the law, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. He's not talking about hating them. He's talking about the love we have for Christ should be so awesome, should be so great in our life that when, compared to anything else, it looks like hate. I can't even fathom that. But that's what he's saying. So when I look at the, 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 one of the, most, two, the two most precious gifts I felt like God given me is my wife and my little boy, and I look at them, and, I'm, and, I, and, and when my little boy comes in, I come in the house, and he drops everything he's doing. He comes running to me and hugs me, and that feeling I have in my stomach, I got to love Jesus more. And, man, I just, I want to say I do, and I know I do in a lot of areas in my life. But if we're all we're honest, there's other things that has our hearts, and he don't reign supreme. And he didn't say just a little bit. He said all or nothing. So it should be, if you're not constantly pursuing the things of God, you won't ever love him like he's calling to love him. See, the whole thing about following Jesus is about loving him more than anything else. And if we love Jesus more than anything else, I mean, we will do the things he's called us to do. We will make hard decisions. Amen? He's called us to love him more than our family. He's called us to love him more than our job. He's called us to love him more than that brand new truck. I mean, we have idols in our life that we hold up here that we don't realize they're idols because we value these things more than God. 
So many people won't walk away from a sinful relationship because they value that person more than they do their relationship with God. And what God's saying is, you are choosing less. If you would trust me, if you would walk away from that because that don't please me, I will give you greater joy and greater happiness. But if you got to choose him, amen? And so many people just settle for less when you can have the greatest thing ever. And he's saying, you have, you, but you won't make those tough decisions. You won't make those hard choices if you don't truly love him. And so in retrospect, the decisions that you don't make shows where your heart is, right? I, ooh, somebody else said that. I think it was Jesus, right? He said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's what we, what we focus on, our, 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 what our time, what our time is invested in, where, where our money, all these different things, it shows our heart. And the question I'm asking all of you in here today is, is does Jesus have all of your heart? Because what he just said in this text is he don't want just a piece of it. He wants all of it. It's all or nothing, baby. That's what he's saying. And so the reality is, we can say we love Jesus, but our actions so more. And, and what he's trying to make you realize is, what's one of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not have any other God before me, right? So anything we place above God, anything we love more than God, it's a God in our life. So we're replacing him with these things. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is more valuable than any amount of money you can ever make. Jesus Christ is more valuable than any amount of property you can ever own. He's greater. He's greater than any relationship you will ever have. He's greater. So why do we hold on to the things that he's telling us to let go of? Because we value these things more than we do God. So we come to church every week saying, I love Jesus We've got, we got the sticker on the car. we got the cross on the neck. Oh, man, we love Jesus. But it ain't about what we project. It's about what's in here, right? And for a lot of Christians, if God was to open up and show your heart, most of it would be black and dead. That's the hard truth of what he's saying in this. That's the first qualification, that there should be supreme love for him. The second thing is he says is that anyone who does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So you're reading that, and it's like, all right, that's craziness. Carrying my cross, what does that mean? What does that mean? We don't, we don't do that today. What does that mean? See, in those days, when the Roman Empire, when they would, when they would convict someone of, of, a, of, a, of something, when they were guilty of a crime, and they were, they were sentenced to crucifixion. They would have to take the cross and put it on their back. And they would have to walk through town with this cross. They had to carry their cross through town to the site in which they were going to be crucified. And it was a symbol. It was, it was showing the, the world around them. It was like telling the town when they were carrying this cross is that I'm wrong and the Roman Empire is right. We pick up our cross and we follow Jesus. We're saying that I'm wrong and Christ is supreme. We're saying I'm, I'm not right. My, I'm not right, but Jesus is. And so we're picking up our cross and we're surrendering our feelings. We're surrendering our, our issues. We're surrendering our wants to glorify God every day. 
We got to walk with that. Well, what does that look like? What does that look like? It's to choose the things that Jesus says how we should live. It's choose the characteristics of Christ when you walk every day. How do you do that? When you are offended, when somebody upsets you, do you react? Do you, what do you do? Do you carry your own cross or are you carry Jesus's? Come on. Or are you responding the way you want to respond? Because you got the right to be mad, right? You got the right to cuss somebody out. Come on. Act like some of y'all Christians don't cuss. Come on. You got, you got the right to, 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 to lash out. You got the right to. But see, if you're under the subjection of Jesus Christ, you don't want to project you. You want to project him, right? So in that moment, you got to back yourself up a little bit. You got to put on that cross. You got to walk on through it. See, a lot of us got this pride in us that we don't want to admit we're wrong. We don't want to, we don't want to take anything from nobody. We want to do it on our own. And what he's saying is, it's not about you. It's not about how you feel. It's not about the offense you feel. It's about how you're going to show the people that are offending you Jesus in that moment. And that's a hard truth for us to receive because in America, especially in South Georgia, we're like, you know what? You come at me like that, you see what you're going to get. Jesus will know Jesus. You ain't going to do me like that, right? Some of, y'all, some of y'all honest. Some of y'all lying to yourself. But in reality, that's how we are. But it's, it's, we got to come on. If he is Lord of our life, then we got to come under the lordship of Jesus. And say, you know what? I, I may be upset in this moment, but I'm going to treat you like Jesus has treated me. See, that's what it means to pick up your cross and follow him. It's a, it's a public display every day. It's a public display of him being the Lord of your life. And, and to me, it, it's, it's so evident in my life because the things that I want to hold on to are showing me areas in my life that I haven't given him. Most of it's self-reliance, self-worth. Sometimes it's self-pity. I want to give all, I, I want to I I hold on to these things. Because it makes me feel like I got control instead of giving it to God and saying, you know what, God, you got control. And the reality is if we would give God our problems, most of us wouldn't have the anxiety that we have. We wouldn't, have the, the, we wouldn't carry the burden that we carry. What did Jesus say about that? Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's true, right? Y'all believe that's true? That's God's word? Then why don't we do that? We got to come to him. When I feel offended, when I feel upset, when I'm, when I'm mad, when, when I'm hurt, when I'm let down, when I'm discouraged, do I come to him or I'm just toting it on my own? See, every Sunday, this altar should have rocks piled this high from where we bring our burdens and we leave them here with Jesus. But you know what most of us do? We just sit right there and wallow in it and go home and say, I don't know why I'm struggling with this. You know why? Because you're going to give it to God. And you ain't got to do it here. You won't even do it at the house when you're by yourself when nobody else will see you. Because we think we can do this on our own. We try to handle this on our own. He's not reigning supreme in our life. We talked about last week, John 3.30. He must increase and I must decrease, right? Walk, he must. This has to happen in our life. So if he is increasing, 
then our love in him should increase. Our desire to please others should decrease. Our desire to promote ourselves should decrease. It's all about promoting Christ. See, following Christ equals carrying our crosses, right? So in the morning when you get up, do you carry your cross? Some of you just carry it to the front door and you drop it. <laughs> I mean, that thing was too heavy. I ain't going no further. I mean, some of you carry it to work, and then you get to work, you forget all about Christ. Some of you carry it until you get home to your spouse, and you're like, you know what? I ain't, I ain't doing that right now. Whoever, whoever is not willing to lay down everything, he's saying, is not fit to be my disciple. That's hardness. But that's love because he loved them so much. See, to carry our cross means that in every situation, we're to lay us down and proclaim the things of Christ, what he would say and how he would say it. How do you apply that this week? Because how we respond to those things shows us if my life is truly about me or if it's about Jesus. And the way, only way that we're going to reach, only way you are going to reach the, and, and be, a, be the vessel God's called you to be is it's got to get to the end of you, and you've got to project Jesus Christ in everything you do. That's what he's called us to, church. That's what he's calling his disciples to. He comes to this hard truth, and then the next thing in verse 28, he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Wouldn't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Wouldn't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose one coming to him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long ways away off. And he will ask for terms of peace. Verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm like, what are you doing, Jesus? I mean, are you trying to tell us to get out of here? You trying to shoo us away? What are you doing? I mean, there's a large crowd there. People were there to listen. But he's like, he's seen the hearts of the people. And what he's saying in this, verse 28, when he talks about building it, he's talking about that there, there, there's a cost to following Christ, church. And we got it easy. We come in and we go out every week, but most time it don't cost us nothing. If you're just going through the motions, but when you truly follow Christ, there's going to be things he tells you to let go of. There's going to be sins. There's going to be things in your life he's going to tell you to do. If you are not walking away from things that don't please God, you don't know Jesus Christ. And that's what he's telling us to. He's calling us to be a people that love him supreme and everything else is secondary. I mean, we've got to understand that Christ laid his life down for us, right? He expects us to do the same for him. Laying down our pride, laying down our priorities, laying down what we want. And, and church, what he's saying is, if we haven't counted the cost, then chances are, if he tells us to do something, we won't do it. 
I know a lot of people that raised their hand and said they wanted to follow Jesus Christ. And guess what? They walked in it for about six months. And they said, it's too hard. You know why? Because they didn't want to let go of their old self. Because they valued their, new, their life here greater than, the, than their life with Christ in eternity. And we've got to realize something, all of us in this room, that this is temporary. We can leave here right now. We can leave here in just a minute. And what we, how we live, how we pursue Christ on this earth is going to dictate where we're going to spend eternity. And so we live every moment for here. We try to, we, man, we try to make every dollar we can make. We try, to just, we try to do everything we can do to promote ourselves. And all of it's going to be burned up one day. It's not going to matter. I heard Billy Graham say that he never saw a U-Haul hooked up to a hearse. And that's the reality. Nothing we can do is going to make it once you leave here. But see, the things that you do to follow Jesus, the, the, the sacrifices you make will last for eternity. But it's all about what you love, what you care about. I heard a, a, I was, when I first got into ministry, I was in youth ministry, and uh, one of the guys in youth ministry, the youth pastor at the time, he was kind of discipling me. And uh, he said, if you don't go, if you hadn't went ahead and made up your mind, what you going to do in a particular situation? When you get in that situation, you're going to go with what you want to do instead of what's right in the eyes of God. And that has never been so true. If you don't decide in your heart, I'm going to stand on the word of God, guess what's going to happen? When the moment of temptation comes, when compromise hits, you're going to choose what feels right by you, and you're going to walk away from what God says. That's why so many Christians fall to temptation because they never decided in their heart, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to walk away from hard stuff. And for me and my house, we're going to do whatever it takes to please God and not man. And that's what it means to be a people that are, that are just totally just centered on Christ. And that's what he's called us to be, church. When Jesus looks down at me, he should not see me. He should see himself. And some of you are like, I will never be there. I will never be that holy. I will never, that will never happen. You know what? N me either. But it's a constant pursuit of him. You got to make up your mind. See, the Bible says that when you follow Jesus, he, he renews your heart and mind. He starts giving you the mind of Christ. You begin to desire things of Christ that you didn't desire to begin with. And so when you're, when you're really pursuing Christ, then it's all about denying me and promoting Christ. And it gets easier as you go. Ten years from now, you should look a lot more like Christ than you do at this moment. But for most people, they just show up and go through the motions, and they look the same and nothing's ever changed. You know why? Because it's never been about Christ. It's always been about them. How they look, how they feel. They don't never, when, when the Holy Spirit tells them to move, they sit right there in their seat. You know why? Because the pride and what people think and the approval of men is more important than what God says. And he's saying, look, if you want to be my disciple, then you have to deny everything. Those who are not willing to give up everything will not be my disciple. We've got to be willing to sacrifice things for God. When's the last time you've sacrificed anything for God? When's the last time? And I'm not trying to condemn you because he may not have asked you to sacrifice anything yet. But you follow him long enough, he will. I know for me, he's constantly asking me to sacrifice what other men think of me. 
You know, in the age we live in, to share the gospel, people look at you like you're a fanatic. And I know. I mean, it's every time, it, it always there, but I know it's God because it's contrary to me. And God tells me, Jeremy, go share the gospel. Go tell that man about me. And I'm like, God, that man's going to think I'm crazy. And, I'm, you know, it's gotten easier. Now I've gotten to where when he says it, I don't even, I don't even do anything. I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to go do it right now before I chop myself out of it. But that's the thing. If we worry about what men and women think of us, then in 10,000 years from now, it won't matter. Because we're looking at the here and now. And what he's calling us to be is people that are just totally sold out to him. And the reason is, verse 34, he says, Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how then can it be made salty again? If it is, it is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile, it is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus saying, look, if you can hear me, Please hear this. Jesus calls us Christians the salt of the earth, right? We're, we're, supposed, to, we're, supposed, to, we're supposed to make a difference, supposed to be a difference. If I grew up my whole life. My, mom, my daddy does not like anything with flavor in it. It's horrible. I grew my, up my whole life eating bland food and thought that's how food was supposed to taste. My wife, I met my wife, my, mom, my mother-in-law thought I was an anorexic Ethiopian. I mean, she was like an albino Ethiopian. She looked at me and she was like, Jeremy, are you okay? Are you sick? It's like, no, ma'am, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, my pockets overlapped. I mean, I was bad off, man. I was skinny. You know, Coach Johnson, I was skinny. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't run. I remember playing football, trying to, I mean, I was skinny. I had, I mean, it just looked like I could run. And I ran to 40 in like six minutes. I mean, I was slow. And I wanted, I wanted so much to be something I wasn't. But anyway, the thing is, is that I met Sabrina. And the first time I ate supper at their house, her mama puts everything in the cabinet in the food. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? She's like, it's rice, Jeremy. But I've never had rice like this. And I ate and I ate. And I almost made myself sick. And then the next day I went over there and I was like, man, what is, what would what, you put on this chicken? She's like, salt. I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I'll come back and I'm like, mama, do you know what salt is? I do, son, but your daddy hates it. The thing I'm trying to tell you is, is when you've never tasted what food tastes with salt in it, it rocks your world. And when you've never tasted, when people in this world have never tasted what God can do in you, they realize that it's out of this world. I can tell you that honey is sweet, but you will never, ever understand how sweet it is until you put it in your mouth and that taste explodes in your mouth. Hmm, my mouth wasn't thinking about it. The reality is, for most Christians, they've never truly tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And to taste and see that the Lord is good is to love him supreme and abandon everything else. Because if we are not changing, if we're not being made in the likeness of Christ, then we will not be the salt of this earth, and the people around us won't see that there's such a big difference in us. That's the thing. 
it, it, it does my heart good when I got friends that I know that's following Christ, and they go to a job site, and, and when they're at the job site, people are coming to them saying, what's so different about you because you're, you're, you're handling things differently. I hadn't heard you cuss all week. What's going on with you? That's salt, baby. You know what I'm saying? That, that's, that's proof showing that there's a difference because the world outside of us is dry and dead, and they see life in us, the people that are following Christ. They're like, what do you have that I don't have? But what what Christ is saying is that if we are not dying to ourselves, then we will lose our saltiness and we will be useless. And far too many of us are useless because it's all about me and not about him. And I'm going to close on this last thing. But as I thought about us making life about us and not about him, I... I went straight to, to Matthew 19. Y'all know the story of the rich young ruler. And I'm not going to read the text. I'm just going to paraphrase what was said. But this guy was very religious, and, and he came to Christ. And he was like, look, I, I've, I've, I've followed you since I was a kid. I've followed you since I was in youth. And, and man, I'm, I'm, what else should I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he was very rich. He was, he was very um, influential. And Jesus, knowing his heart, he said, keep all the commands. And he said, no, no, I've, I've kept all the commands from my youth. I've kept all these, all these commands. And Jesus said, well, there's one thing you like. He says, sell all your possessions and then come follow me. And the guy turned around, broken, and walked away from Jesus because he couldn't let go of his money and his possessions. And so many times we read that text and saying, God don't want us to have money. God don't want us to have any, 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 any wealth at all. That's not it. God won't care about that. He wants your heart. And see, he looked at that man's heart, and he was more worried about what he had to do, what he could get out of Jesus to make himself get to heaven Instead of loving Jesus and abandoning everything because he was worthy of it. And the whole moral of that story is when Jesus said, come to me and lay your yes on the table, saying, yes, I will surrender all. Yes, I will give you all. He couldn't put his yes on the table. And how many times have we been given opportunity to lay your yes on the table and you just can't do it? And what Jesus is trying to make us understand is sometimes we think about it's all about quantity of people, but Jesus wants quality. He wants your heart to be cultivated in the things of him. He wants you to love him like you say you do. And all that shows up on how you pursue him. All that shows up on what are you walking away from? Is your purpose in life is to exhort Christ or is your purpose in life to promote you? And it's crazy because it's easy to say we follow Christ until it costs us something. It's easy to say I'm going to follow Christ till it costs me something, till I get to a place where I got to make a decision and this is going to be very, it's going to be life-changing from this moment on. Everybody says they want to follow Christ until that happens. I remember I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, God, use me, God, use me, God, show me what you want me to do. God, use me, God, use me. And then he says, I want you to preach. And I was like, God, use me for something else. God, use me for something else. 
But it was until I, I said, you know what, God, and, and if, if you want me to, whatever you want me to do, I will quit it and I will do whatever. Don't say it unless you mean it now, all right? And, but when I, I'm going to be honest with you. When I, when I truly in my heart said, God, I will give you the last dime in my, the last penny in my, in my bank account, but you got to make my wife be okay with that. But I said, God, if you will be that way, if you, would, if you want that, I'll give it to you. God, if you, want, if you want me to sell my house and go to Zimbabwe, I will. And I meant that from the bottom of my heart. I wasn't just giving idle words. And when I said that, guess what he started doing in me? He started doing things in me that I've been trying to do in me for years. He, he changed characteristics in my heart that I've been trying to change for years. You know why? Because we have no power over ourselves. Only he can change you. And until I put him supreme, nothing else changed. And a lot of us in this room, we've been struggling with the same old sin because we've never put him supreme. We've never put him in the center. He's always been, we want Jesus on the side and me in the middle, and it ain't about that. It's either he's in the center or he's nothing at all. And we have this jaded reality just because we come to church and we show up and we may read our Bible from time to time, and we might pray to him when we need help that he's listening. But he only listens to those that are his disciples. And if we're not willing to forsake all, then we have no part of him. That's what he's saying. See, I've never seen God ask someone to let go of something, let down an idol, let down anything. They wouldn't think to do something great in their life with it. And so many times, we're holding on to things so hard, so hard, but we don't see what God's wanting to use on the other side of it. So many of us are holding on to possessions so hard. Like, God, I worked my whole life for this. I've, been, I've had nothing when I was a child, and I've got all these things now, and I'm not letting go of nothing. I'm not getting go of one dime, you know, because this is mine, God. This is mine. I deserve these things, God. You know, I didn't have nothing when I was a kid, but I deserve these things. And what he's saying is, you know what? If you would love me more than this stuff, if you would open your hand out and say, you know what, God, if you want any of this, if you want to take all this away, take it. When, once, the, once you do your hand like that, you're willing to receive more than you got in your hand. And most of us walk around like this. It's only until we're willing to sacrifice all, until we really experience the all that's in Christ. And I know it's hard because that's where trust comes in. We got to trust that he's true. We got to trust that, that if we do sacrifice, then he's going to do what he says he's going to do. If you believe God's word's true, then you can do those things and walk in that. The biggest problem with most people, and the biggest problem with the rich young ruler, was it was self sufficiency. He could do it on his own. And so many of us think we can do this on our own. Let me ask you a question. How's it working out so far? Because if we were honest, most of us are tired of trying to make this relationship work. We're tired of trying to make this work. We're, trying to, we're tired of going to work, dreading work. We're, try, we're tired of, of, of this. We're tired of fighting with the, about the same old things with our spouse. We're tired of all this stuff I'm going to step on some toes right now. Y'all give me permission to do that? 
Somebody's like, you've been doing it all day. But the thing is, my marriage didn't, do, didn't start honoring God until I killed myself and said, God, it's about you and not about me. I couldn't love Sabrina the way she desired to be loved. And a marriage is supposed to represent Christ, right? When people see how you love your spouse, people should say, them people know Jesus, right? Because it should be sacrificial love. And the reality is, if you can't love your spouse in a sacrificial way, how are you going to love that man at work or that woman at work? How are you going to care for your enemies if you can't even love your spouse that way? And God's called us to be people that, in, in a relationship that no matter if, it's, if you have a friendship, you should have that same, let, let, me, let me die to me, let me die to how I feel, and let me promote you above me, Christ. See, when we start doing that, we start looking like Jesus. And we start being the salt of the earth. And until we start killing the desires of our flesh and, and, and saying, God, I want more of you, there will never be a change in your life. And people will never see that you have Christ. Because you don't have Christ. You have yourself in church. I want to tell you, church, don't leave here today with this, oh, that was a great message. Don't leave here today with that. Don't leave here today with, oh, I got a good, I, I want you to give up today. Give up. Quit holding on to you. Quit holding on to the past. Quit holding on to that crutch that you're holding on to to, to, to give yourself a reason to act the way you act. Give it up today and give it to Christ because that's all that matters. Do you think for one ounce when I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus that I'm going to worry about what some of y'all said about me. No. Now, if I'm thinking about my eternity with Christ, guess what's going to It's going to make your opinion a lot less worrisome because I'm thinking about Christ. I'm thinking about Jesus. I'm thinking about being with him. See, church, I want to tell you, this whole passage was written for us to realize that Christ should be supreme in our life, that there should be no other gods before me, and most of us, we are our own God because we remain self-sufficient and we don't surrender the things to Jesus. And what he is commanding us to do, he's not asking, he's not suggesting. He's saying, if you are a follower of me, then you will let that stuff go. So if you love me like you say you do, it's time to cut ties. It's time to drop it. It's time to quit entertaining those simple things, and start being what you say you are. That's what he's saying to the church. That's what he's saying to all of us today. So many times we come up here, and we, we give an altar call or whatever, and it's like this surrender, and we won't surrender. Why don't you surrender your life to Christ today? Because I want you to realize something. Let me tell you a secret. It's not your life anyway. He gave it to you. The Bible says that he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. God created you. So if he created you and he knows you, then why do you think you're so valuable to hold on to the things you want to hold on to? Because it's all about him even before you knew about him. Ooh, that's deep right there. But y'all just let that sit. See, it's not your life. So give it to him. Quit holding on to the things that don't matter. Because when everything's said and done, the only thing that's going to last are the things that you've done for Christ. The only things that are going to last or, or is your life poured out for Jesus. So I want to ask you a question. 
Have you done that? Have you surrendered? Have you given your life to Jesus? Truly surrendered your life to Christ? Because you haven't. If it's just about religion, if it's just about coming and going, if it's just about just appeasing your conscience, you're going to bust hell wide open one day and be separated from God forever. This is real life. This is eternity at stake here. This ain't just one message and one. You're here for a reason. God aligned this passage with you for a reason. Are you going to reject him or are you going to choose him today? So I just want to give that invitation as our worship man comes up. I'll give that invitation to you guys. If you're here today and you've never truly surrendered your life to Christ, truly giving your life to Jesus, I just want to challenge you to raise your hand so we can celebrate and we can just praise God for what he's doing. Amen, sister. Amen. 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 One of our, one of our prayer team is going to want us to pray with you. That is awesome. Anybody else? She broke the ice. Come on. Who's been lying to herself? I'm right. Come on. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Well, then here's the next part. Put your money where your mouth is. We sing that song all the time. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I surrender all. Some of the greatest lies ever told is on Sunday morning. When we sing. See, that, the rich young ruler, he wouldn't say yes. But he thought everything was right. See, what are the things in your life that you're not saying yes to? What are the things that you're not giving him? What are you holding on to? Seriously, check yourself. Put yourself Put yourself in Luke 14 where the, large, where the large crowd was. Would you be that person that turned around and walked away? Or would you be that person that says, give me you, Jesus? What's keeping you from being that man or that woman that's totally sold out? What's keeping you from being that man or woman that people say they got it? Because of the way you live your life. What's keeping you? Because today ain't about just coming to church. It's about you surrendering those things. It's about you leaving here knowing God greater. Amen? So let's just don't sit on our hands and sit on this. Let's let this, let's let this just penetrate our hearts and absolutely surrender those things. Amen? See, God's called us to be imitators of him. And he gave his life for us, right? So are you living your life worthy of the price paid? Are you? It's very sobering to think about that. And I love the fact that this piano is not playing because I want you to hear this. Do you hear that? It's nothing. It's silence. That's what most of our relationships with God looks like. It's silence. We don't hear him speaking to us much. 
because our life is consumed with us. And we go to him out of a vain repetition. And it's not out of love. It's not out of pursuit. And it's not out of surrender. And he demands more. So it's time for his people to put our money where our mouth is and say, I want more of you, Jesus, because I love you. Y'all stand. Father, we come to you right now. And God, I pray that you would move in us today and God, we wouldn't be a stubborn, stiff-necked people. That we would be people that are pliable and God, you would move in us. So God, I pray that you would convict us and you would show us where we need to surrender. I pray, God, that you would move in our lives. God, you would show us things that we need to walk away from. You would show us attitudes that we need to surrender to. God, I pray that you would give us a heart for you, God. And I pray, God, that if you have, we don't love you like we say we do, then, Father, I pray you would break our hearts right now. God, let us leave here different. Let us leave here real. Lord, let us drop the fakeness. Lord, let us drop the insincerity. God, I pray today that you would fill us with you. And we would know you greater when we leave. In Jesus' name, I pray.